0: If Hackett is not ready and we're sitting here twiddling our thumbs and just sitting here in anguish on the podcast each week, John, as you said, and going on Twitter venting our frustrations because we're waiting for the head coach to get up to speed. If the coach isn't ready, we have to mention George Payton. He picked this guy, he hired this guy, and he said glowing, glowing things about him that made us all believe in the summer. And so far, it has not come to fruition. (laughs) No doubt, some major decisions now under the microscope by George Payton and the Broncos. Major investment in the quarterback, hiring the new head coach. The return on investment not quite there after five weeks. We'll get to that here right off the jump. But first and foremost... It's the Broncos Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. If you're finding us for the first time online, maybe via the Broncos Wire and all the great work that they're doing on that site, you can subscribe and listen along each week wherever you get your podcast. You just have to search for the Broncos Wire. We should pop right up. And one click of a button could help our little podcast, John, pop up on a listener's phone each week. So what could Broncos country want more than the Broncos Wire podcast right on their phone, right at their fingertips, John, every Thursday during the season.
1: Yeah, that sounds great to me. I mean, even if the Broncos aren't doing well, at least you can get some entertaining podcasts. And, you know, if you're angry, maybe Ryan and I are also angry and you can... Uh, anguish with us, and even if things aren't doing well, just get some weekly entertainment, and hopefully things are going to start going better, and they'll turn things around. You can come along for ride for that. So please subscribe to us and give us a good rating and a good review.
0: Yeah, that right there is the voice of John Heath. He's the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary, playing host. And uh, yeah, there will there will be plenty of anguish on the show uh, this week, John. I, I do believe so. I mean, I, just just a quick little editing note. Just for longtime listeners of the program, we were going to record another episode off the Thursday night game. We were going to post it like Friday or Saturday because it was almost too long to wait, John, right? To get to Tuesday to do our normal recording because there was just so much to get off your chest after that Thursday night ball game. But my son turned one years old this weekend and we had this big thing and I just could not figure out a time to prepare properly and do it. So it was my fault. I couldn't do it. It's just bad timing. But, John, we wanted to come on and put out a bonus episode because there's just so much to get off our chest after Thursday night.
1: Yeah, no worries on that on your end, Ryan. But, yeah, it was just, it was such a frustrating game. And once again, like four times out of five, the defense has been excellent. Like against the Raiders, the defense had some slips ups and it wasn't great. But four out of five, I'll take that. The offense, though, on the other hand, five times out of five, the offense has been absolutely awful. And it's just, It's so frustrating because Nathaniel Hackett, he's an offensive-minded guy. And so you get an offensive-minded head coach, and special teams the last few years for the Broncos hasn't been good. Defense has been good, but the offense has been awful. And then this year, the special teams has been way better than it was the last few years. The defense, it hasn't been perfect, but like four or five games, it's been really good. And then the offense, it's almost like it's taken a step back, even from what the Broncos were. And you've got this new shiny quarterback. You've got this new offensive-minded head coach, and it's just like – Like, what's going on? It it, like it's it's got to be I think it's got to be just five weeks in the season. I think it's too soon to say Hackett's on the hot seat. But if things don't get turning around, I think his seat might start to get a little bit warmer.
0: Yeah, that's the question we want to lead off the show with here is how hot is Hackett's seat, right? I mean, it's only been five weeks, right? Is he just not cut out to be the head coach? Can Hackett hack it? We had a title of our podcast earlier this season. Um, if the if the Broncos continue to lose games that they probably should win uh, and the offense continues to look the way they did for this offensive genius, as George Payton told us when he hired him in his statement, uh, then is it too soon to move on? And speaking of Payton, like I've given Hackett enough crap John. I have. I, I can't keep blaming Nathaniel Hackett. I've done it like every single week. Uh, I, I just like I can't blame him for hiring uh, Rosberg. Right. The the guy that's helping him with in-game management up in the booth. And we talked about that. I didn't blame him for that. I actually gave him credit for it, but heck it is what he is, right? It's like, not like he lied on his resume or something, John, right? If he's in over his head, which I think he is, I've been on that side of it since the beginning, uh, whether he's scheming guys open or not, the offense has been absolutely horrible. Lack of execution penalties, you name it. It's been bad football. They're averaging 15 points per game. It's just terrible. and, I've got a couple guys in my crosshairs, you know, in terms of commentary this week. And it's not Hackett, right? One is the quarterback, which we're going to get to here. The other is a name that we haven't really mentioned. Really, we've only sung this guy's praises, John, because we both like him and we both think he's great. George Payton. George Payton. He's been excellent. He really has with his personnel decisions. But, you know, ultimately, we're going to be judging him on these two giant moves he's made, right, John? The coach and the quarterback. He pushed his chips in the middle of the table for Wilson. From all the future draft assets to the players you sent Seattle to the 49 million average annual value you're paying them each season, like this is your quarterback and this is your coach, right? After a search that included Dan Quinn, who's coaching the hell out of that Dallas defense right now, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach, Eric Bieniemy, there was all these different coaches, but I think Quinn and O'Connell were the other finalists with Hackett. You picked your coach, right? So if Hackett is not ready and we're sitting here twiddling our thumbs and just sitting here in anguish on the podcast each week, John, as you said, and going on Twitter venting our frustrations because we're waiting for the head coach to get up to speed. If the coach isn't ready, we have to mention George Payton. He picked this guy. He hired this guy, and he said glowing, glowing things about him that made us all believe in the summer, and so far it has not come to fruition, right? This offensive mastermind, this genius who, you know, won all these games with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and was the mastermind behind this offense, even though his face wasn't front and center right even though a lot of people didn't know Nathaniel Hackett and who's what what he looked like when he came to that podium when he was announced as the Broncos head coach we have to bring up George Payton right because if Nathaniel Hackett's failing is it really his fault it's George Payton's fault he he picked this guy
1: yeah yeah I think that's fair to say but I mean they're not firing George Payton like that's obvious and I know you're not campaigning for them to fire him but like he's, he's done such a good job building the roster but maybe he didn't make the right decision hiring this coach and then like then you get in kind of like a problem like i i think farther out than just like right now like what if nathaniel hackett and russell wilson like what if they need to work out the kinks this year and then next year it like maybe this is just a lost year with all the injuries they've had and everything and the little bit of a hole they dug themselves and maybe this year is lost but then next year Russell Wilson's second year in the offense, Nathaniel Hackett, he's more comfortable as being a head coach on play card. Maybe it'll click next year, but that's the thing. It's a maybe. Like, I, I don't want them to fire Hackett after this season, and then we'll never know. We'll always wonder, well, did they fire him too soon? And then you get right back to, well, then you got to get someone to replace him, and then you get a new offense, and then Wilson's got to learn a second offense, and a second year in Denver. So, I kind of feel like Hackett, he might be safe for two seasons. Cause I don't think and, unless this is just awful and they end up like five and eleven or whatever, like four and twelve or something. Like if the if it's just a catastrophe of a season, then okay, they could fire him. But if they're hovering around like five hundred or maybe a little better than five hundred, I don't think they'll fire him after this season. And I think they've got a ton of built-in excuses, especially with the injuries. So I think Hackett's safe for a second year. But, again, like you said, if it is awful this year and if they fire Hackett, then, yeah, that's not going to reflect well on George Payton because he's the one that hired him. And it's not going to give you a ton of confidence in George Payton to hire the right guy the next game. Because I think, in general, he's done a great job building the roster. But we'll we'll see how this head coach hire pans out. And, like you said, the two biggest moves George Payton has made – one, he helped hire Nathaniel Hackett, and two, even bigger than that, he traded for Russell Wilson. And so far that Russell Wilson trade hasn't worked out. But I don't necessarily hold that against Peyton too much because I appreciate so much that he was aggressive and he wanted to get in a franchise type kind of quarterback. Like last year, they went after Matthew Stafford and they weren't able to get it done. Everybody knew they really wanted Aaron Rodgers and they weren't able to get it done. And they they do manage to get Russell Wilson. I appreciate so much that he is aggressive and and was aggressive and went after that guy. Like Maybe it's not going to work out. It's still early. It's still five games, so hopefully Wilson can get things turned around. But even if it doesn't work out, I'm not super, super frustrated with Peyton about it because he went for it, and I would so much rather go for it and try to get a franchise QB than be a team that has like a Carson Wentz or even the Broncos, like w- when John Elway was the GM, you know, did bring in the Joe Flacco or you bring in the Case Keenum. Like, I do not want to do that. I do not want those kind of quarterbacks. I want to swing for the fentons, fences, and that's what Peyton did, and maybe he struck out. I, I think it's too early to say, and I think you agree that it's too early to say he struck out, but, yeah, it is fair to question right now. It, things aren't going well, and Peyton definitely deserves some blame for that It at, so far.
0: Yeah, it would be super hypocritical for me to give, say, George Payton should be fired, John, for a trading for Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson looks so bad. When I was celebrating the trade for Russell Wilson a couple months ago, that would be hypocritical. and That's not what I'm doing. And no, by no, I like George Payton. We both do. We're both George Payton guys. We're fans of him. We think he's done a great job. I was just bringing up his name because we never have brought up his name in a critical light yet. It's always been positive with George Payton, but I just wanted to bring up. These two gigantic moves he made, Russell Wilson and uh, Nathaniel Hackett, right? And I know he was, it wasn't like he was by himself with the Hackett decision, but I'm sure he had a, a key role in picking that, that man. And based on the comments he made yeah. after they hired him, he had a big role in it. He was sold on Hackett, right? And yeah. I think George Payton has been awesome for the Broncos. He has. He's been great since he took over. But I think five or ten years down the road, if this goes off the rails then we're going to look back and not see the good in what George Payton brought to the Broncos, right? It's going to be bad. It's not going to look good when we look back on it. And I think his name should be brought up because these are such big moves. Uh, But back to that original question, if Hackett isn't ready, should he be under evaluation? Should he be on the hot seat? I mean, I agree with you, John. It's too early to make a move right now. And it's. And I mean, it's, this is not like a Matt Rule Carolina Panthers situation where you just know it's it's over, it's done. Um, we don't know yet; it's too early. Uh, but I will say this: there's no grace periods, right? There's no grace periods for a head coach in training. If if he doesn't start proving, and and I hope that they are evaluating him, the the ownership, Peyton, all of them, there should be no grace. We should not be sitting here waiting for Nathaniel Hackett to get up to speed. He needs to be. If he's not a head coach, then there should be no grace periods. They should evaluate that and they should get ahead of it. And whether it's after this season or what, I don't know. But I could see Nathaniel Hackett being done after one season if this thing goes off the rails. I don't think that should be off the off the table, right? I don't think he should be guaranteed another season. I think he needs to earn that. He needs to prove that he is a head coach. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say here?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I I totally get what you're saying. And if if it does go off the rails, I'm with you. I just I guess I'm too much of an optimist. I I just still have hope that you know, they're going to be able to at least salvage a season. Maybe they don't get into the playoffs, and it's a it's a very tough division and a tough conference. Like, if they don't get into the playoffs, but at least the offense starts looking better, they start scoring some points, they compete, they get above 500, they're at least there at the end, like, trying to compete. Like, as long as there's, like, clear and obvious progress then I'd be okay with going into next year saying, okay, let's give Hackett another year. Like, yeah, the beginning was really rough, but it got better, and we didn't make the playoffs, but we saw obvious progress. The offense got better. Russell Wilson got better. So let's let him have next year. And, and so I, I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But I agree. If if it's just a disaster of a season, yeah, it, like maybe he's just not cut out to be a head coach. I think that's just still too to be determined because there's a lot of season left.
0: Yeah, if George Payton still thinks he's a guy, he's the guy to lead the Broncos forward, I'm I trust him. I trust him. But uh, we got to see improvement, John. We got to see improvement from the quarterback as well. We have not ripped Russell Wilson either on this show, right? We haven't. We've ripped Nathaniel Hackett. We've ripped Melvin Gordon. We haven't ripped Russell Wilson. Actually, last week we said even in the loss to Vegas, he looked pretty good, uh, but it didn't look good on Thursday. Uh, John and I will get into Russell Wilson and the uh, Kyle Brandt comments on wilson as well that came after the game i think on friday morning that everybody was talking about we'll get in, we'll weigh in and all that coming up next but first fantasy advice from the huddle.com
1: this is the typical sports book fantasy minute let's
2: make this interesting Interesting. Hori interesting. Interesting. benini with the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. We have officially reached let Geno cook territory after the journeyman tossed three touchdowns in a week 5 loss to the New Orleans Saints. Over the past three games, Smith has averaged 304 yards passing and he has thrown seven touchdowns against just one interception. While the Cardinals have played better since a woeful week one, they will present a stiffer challenge than the likes of the Lions or the Saints. Nevertheless, ride the hot hand. Smith has a pretty good matchup overall and is a decent bet for 250 plus yards and at least two touchdowns. Washington commanders running back Brian Robinson at the Chicago Bears. On one hand, it was a fantastic sight to witness Robinson return from his offseason gunshot wounds to lead the backfield in carries and yardage. On the other hand, those numbers were nine attempts for 22 yards, and he had no role in the receiving game. Chicago has allowed the fifth most rushing yards on the second most carries, and the position has scored four times through five weeks. Since it's unlikely Chicago's offense can put up enough points to force a pass-heavy script, Robinson is shaping up to be a quality play on the ground. Wide receiver Darnell Mooney versus the Washington Commanders. Mooney is a low-volume fantasy option, and he's better utilized in non-PPR settings. This matchup aligns perfectly with that profile too, as the commanders have done a decent job of limiting catches, but have allowed big plays along the way. This is the number one matchup in fantasy points per touch, number two for yards per reception, number five for yardage generated, and number three for the ease of scoring among wideouts. If Mooney cannot make some noise in this one, he's barely worthy of a roster spot going forward. Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku versus the New England Patriots. After a slow start to 2022, Njoku has emerged as one of the stronger fantasy plays in the last three weeks, particularly in PPR scoring. He has no fewer than five catches for 73 yards in any of those last three games, and this week he faces one of the more favorable opponents for his position. New England has allowed a touchdown per game on average to tight ends, but that's really about where the success has ended for all but Mark Andrews after he posted two scores and 89 yards. The next closest performance is four catches, 22 yards on a touchdown, but the Patriots will focus extensive attention to both the backfield and Amari Cooper, freeing up Njoku across the middle to move the chain. Don't expect a huge game, but something around 50 yards on a touchdown is certainly well within reach. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
1: That was your Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado, and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. one 800
2: 4700 in Colorado.
0: All right, we're back and let's get to Russell Wilson. John, as I mentioned, we've been, you know, we have not been quick to criticize Russell Wilson. Uh, but it's impossible not to criticize his performance on Thursday. It was bad, right? It was bad. A uh, couple of horrible turnovers, interceptions, egregious. Missed a wide-open K.J. Hamler in the final play. The uh, the clips of that has not looked good for the Broncos quarterback. Uh, we know he's injured, and he was battling an injury. He was on the injury report. He mentioned the shoulder. Uh, it turns out it's a partially torn lat, which sounds painful. So what do you think? Is, is he injured or is he washed up, like everybody's saying? All the hot take artists saying that Russell Wilson's washed. He can't play anymore. The Broncos are screwed because they signed him to this big contract. Uh, Is it a little bit of both? What do you think?
1: Yeah, Shannon Sharp even went as far as to say the Broncos bought a lemon. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) Shannon Sharp never holds back. But I I think it's somewhere kind of in between. I don't necessarily think he's washed. And I do bet the injury probably is affecting him because a right – throwing shoulder injury that is serious for a quarterback so like some of his throws that just were a little inaccurate and some of his throws that were a little behind maybe that's in part because of the shoulder injury but the shoulder injury that doesn't excuse some of the decisions he made like the first interception I have no idea what he was thinking. That was just terrible. And then the second interception, you're going down. You have a lead. It's late in the game. The Colts have no timeouts. I think it was like third and four. Just get the first down, and you can try to run out the clock. Or even if you can't get the clock all the way down because of the two-minute warning, you can just bleed it, kick a field goal, and six points is probably enough to win. Like in 30 seconds— I would not count on the Colts' offense to march down the field and how well the Broncos' defense had been playing. I think six points would have been enough. I don't think the Colts would have scored a touchdown on the defense that night. They Hell ju- no. <laughs> They couldn't do it the whole game. So, uh, like, even just, just pick up a first down, even if you end up settling for a field goal, just – Don't turn the ball over. And that's exactly what he did. He forced it into the end zone. He threw it so far behind Tyree Cleveland, and he threw it so late, and it was against a very good cornerback. Uh, It was just so frustrating that he made that decision. And then later in the game, like you said, in overtime, it's fourth down, and, uh, like, it it just – I think it, it may have been chin and sharp again. Someone someone tweeted that it seemed like Russell Wilson had made up in his mind before the play even came in that he was going to Cortland Sutton. And I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I think even if we asked Wilson that, I think he would deny it. But I can totally see that argument. Because just from the time the ball was snapped, he's looking Cortland Sutton's way, looking his way, looking his way, looking his way, no awareness of like uh, like – I just think – and Peyton Manning in that situation, Peyton Manning had his favorite receivers. Like there's nothing wrong with having a favorite receiver. Like Peyton Manning loved Demarius Thomas and he loved to throw the ball to Demarius Thomas. But if Peyton Manning is in that exact same situation game on the line and he lines up and he sees the defense, you know, Peyton Manning, he's such a smart football guy. You know, he's saying, okay, this is exactly what we got. We got the man coverage. We got the rub. This guy's probably going to be wide open. I just know it before the ball is even snapped just from surveying the defense and seeing that like you know Peyton Manning you saw it so many times Peyton Manning see something like that and carve up a defense and Wilson he just he totally missed it he was just locked into Cortland Sutton he forced it to Sutton and it fell incomplete and they lost the game and that makes me worried because I'm like a young quarterback. Okay. uh, A young quarterback, you know, they're going to learn to scan the field. They're going to learn to not be locked into one guy. And again, like there's nothing wrong with having a favorite receiver. Like Cortland Sutton is fantastic, but you just got to have awareness when you line up and you see that you're like, okay, this is exactly what we want. Like, Probably Nathaniel Hackett probably wanted him to throw to KJ Hamler like that was probably the whole the whole scheme was probably designed for that and so like Wilson being in his eleventh year and something like that happening like it makes me a little worried and I don't know it was just it was an awful game for him in general and his shoulder was bothering him so maybe it was a little bit of a one off and maybe you know. We're not going to see that from every week because we have like he hasn't been good the first few weeks, but he wants an awful like on Thursday. He was awful. And against the Raiders, he actually looked pretty good. He threw two nice touchdowns and he ran for that touchdown. So I'm hoping that it was just a catastrophe of a game where everything went wrong. But it's a little bit alarming when he's making decisions like that. And like, like I said, the shoulder injury, that does not impact your decision making.
0: One hundred percent, I agree with you, John. I think it's between the ears, right? Like, I don't, I don't dismiss the shoulder injury. I'm sure it was bothering him, uh, but I don't like the optics of that whole thing. Like, first of all, Wilson mentioned his shoulder in the post game presser. It was subtle, but he did say, you know, the shoulder. He, he mentioned it. he's like, hey, you know, the shoulder. Um, and he was at his presser, John, also still wearing his full uniform and pads, which uh, I don't like. That's an awkward look. Just Russell, take a shower, get dressed, and come to the podium, please. It just looks like you're just. It looks like a train wreck when you're at the podium with your shoulder pads on and you're in your uniform. Like, can you just take a shower first? Uh, that, anyway, that's just, that's just me. Well, it,
1: it, it's a late game, so I'm sure the media that are there appreciate him coming out sooner than later talking to them and you ah, get your point. gamers and your quotes and stuff up.
0: Okay, fine, but I didn't like the look. But what, what, what <laughs> I really don't like the look of, John, is him mentioning the shoulder and then Friday morning, damage control, the headline comes out. Wilson playing through this painful partially torn lat right it's like oh really yeah you know after one of the worst games we've ever seen Russell play we're going to hammer the injury combat the bad PR right I just think that's a bad look I think that's a news dump I just think that it just it's interesting how that happens John it comes out on Friday morning like oh yeah guys we got a partially torn lat over here Um, and I just laugh at that I scoff at that because I don't think Wilson missed wide open players because of his shoulder and I don't think he threw those horrible, egregious picks that were just really bad decisions, as you said, because of his shoulder. And his shoulder also was not the reason he was freaking locked on Cortland Sutton on that final play, which you were you were saying, John, that Hackett probably designed it. It sure looked like his first read was uh, Hamler coming off the rub route with Jerry Judy. And he was wide open. They schemed it up perfectly. It was right there, but he was locked on Cortland Sutton. Why? Well, maybe it's because... He's not quite comfortable yet, right? He's just not quite comfortable with the personnel. He's obviously got a rapport with Cortland Sutton. He's not quite comfortable with the head coach. The call's coming in, everything, right, John? We're just, there's something mental. I'm not going to say it was the shoulder because your shoulder is not why you test Stephon Gilmore with Tyree Cleveland in the end zone. Like, what? Like, all the love and respect in the world to Tyree Cleveland, and I'm glad you brought that up because I had to check the roster, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Who was that guy? Who was he, th- he throwing <laughs> to against Stefan Gilmore? Like, what? So some of the the mental errors in this game was bad, and maybe it's a one-off, right? I think it comes down to comfort. I just think he's still not quite feeling like himself in the pocket, and maybe the shoulder comes into that a little bit. But there was a lot more mental mistakes going on than physical. I mean, we watched Peyton Manning make a Super Bowl run with a bum neck, right? He used his brain to make up for it. So we can't use the shoulder as an excuse I expect that kind of play from Russell Wilson, right? I expect him to use his brain and be able to get the Broncos in the right play and figure it out and find the right matchup. That's what we got when we traded for Russell Wilson, right? So you can say he's on the back end of his prime if you want. I'll give you that. But Russell Wilson is still an upper echelon quarterback in my eyes. I still think he's one of the league's best quarterbacks. He has been for a long time. Again, we were collectively running around basically naked in the streets when the Broncos traded for him, John. So overnight, he can't play? Come on, right? Like, I don't think he lost it overnight. Maybe he's on the back nine, but Peyton Manning, what? where was he? On the 15th green when he came to Denver? And he still was just fine. So I think he could still win and compete for Super Bowls with Russell Wilson. I think it's going to get better. I am not jumping off the cliff with Russell Wilson, but I do say... Miss me with the shoulder thing. I'm not, I'm not listening about the shoulder injury. That was a news dump on Friday, John. He had a really bad game mentally, and we need to, him to get more comfortable and feel it himself. Get that swagger back.
1: Yeah, I think the news leaked on Saturday, but I agree with you. I don't think it's a coincidence that just shortly after that game that the news came out. I I, I don't think that is a coincidence. I do think it's a little bit of an excuse, but like we said, it may be, Affecting him a little bit. And I think you made a really good point about the comfort like KJ Hamler. He has not played a lot the first few games because of injuries getting back in the offense and stuff. He hasn't gotten a ton of snaps and he hasn't gotten a ton of targets. And Tyree Cleveland, he was put in a position. And Wilson, he threw it behind him, and it was not a good throw, not a good decision. But maybe if that was Cortland Sutton, maybe Sutton's maybe able to jockey for the ball a little bit better or reach back better or something. Maybe Sutton makes that play. And I don't know. It just popped in my head when you're saying that. Maybe after doing that with Tyree Cleveland, a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of snaps, Maybe K.J. Hamler comes to the game. He also hasn't gotten a lot of snaps with Wilson, not not because of any, any of his own fault. It's just the injuries have kind of limited to begin the year. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's just like, well, you know, I know Sutton. I'm comfortable with Sutton. He's been my guy all year. That's who I'm going to. And, like, to an extent, I get that. But, like again, like what I said before, you just got to – Before the snap, just look at the defense. It was exactly what you wanted. Hackett gave you the perfect play, and it worked perfectly. He was just too blind to it because he was locked in his sight. And hopefully, like you are saying, hopefully this is something that's going to get better in the coming weeks. Hopefully he'll get more comfortable with everyone else, if that is what it was, if it was like a comfort thing. Hopefully that's something that will come with time.
0: That's my guess. I don't think Russell Wilson lost his mojo all of a sudden overnight. I just don't think so. Like all the hot take artists saying, yeah, we should have had Drew Locke still. We, we need Drew Locke back. Or oh, Geno Smith's better. It's like, no, guys, come on. Stop it. You know, you know, you know, you're just spitting hot takes. And speaking of a, a hot take, Kyle Brandt, he ripped the quarterback on Thursday. Our quarterback, Russell Wilson, he ripped him. Um, and John, I have audio. Let's play it and react.
3: All right, so you know why that's you know why that that resonates because that is authentic and that is authentic emotion and I look at what's happening with the Broncos and Hamler and the coach and I look back at Russell Wilson. Where is this going with his relationship in the locker room? Because I think Russell Wilson is one of the least authentic personalities we have in this league. I think Russell Wilson is a poser. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. I actually think he's a good person. I think he tries to be something that he's not. And when you make the $245 million, you either got to be a really great guy with the locker room who loves you or you got to be an amazing player. Brady, who makes half of what Russell's making, is both. Rodgers, MVP, Patrick Mahomes, both. Allen, people love him. He's amazing. Kyler, we'll find out. Russell Wilson, first of all, the NFL, the Broncos fan base has no history with him. They have no allegiance to him. This is not a Seahawks thing that they drafted him. They grew up with him. He's their guy. None of that. You know, I I work the the NFL honors. I work the red carpet. Kelsey comes by. Rodgers comes by. Russell Wilson shows up with his sunglasses and his wife, and I think they think they're they're Jay-Z and Beyonce, and they will literally put their hand up and say, no, we're not talking. Why? It, it, because you think you're that cool and you're that famous and you're that amazing and everything is so perfect. That does not work in a locker room unless you were really good or really, really good guy. It just doesn't work. 245 million bucks that can come unraveled fast.
0: Now, this one's a tough one for me, John, because I like Kyle Brandt. I, I watch the good morning football program. I'm there every Monday morning. I like to hear what they got to say about the games. Um, this take was a little disappointing, right? And I thought it was awkward. In real time, when I saw it, I was actually watching the program when it happened. And then I started seeing some of the comments on Twitter, like RG3 saying, Hey, let's not attack someone's character over a football game. And it's like, Yeah, I was like nodding along. I'm like, Yeah, RG3, like, that's why it was awkward. Like, why is Russell Wilson a poser? Right? Because he acted like one of the best quarterbacks in football during some red carpet NFL honors event that Kyle Brandt worked when Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterback, like he is a celebrity. He's one of the more recognizable players in the NFL. Russell Wilson is that guy. Uh, Is he more famous than Beyonce? Probably not, John. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, he is that guy. And maybe there's a reason why he didn't want to talk at that moment. I don't know. Like attacking his character over that. Uh, Now, I will say, and you've said it multiple times on the show, John, and I laugh every time, he is a little corny, right? He is a little corny. It's quirky, corny. And, but corny is a term of endearment to me. When I was growing up and when I was in high school, me and my friends called each other corny all the time. We thought that was, that, that was a good thing. There's nothing wrong with being corny, John. I'm corny. I don't mind that. I don't mind that about Russell Wilson at all. So I don't think what happened on Thursday night has anything to do with Russell Wilson being a poser in the locker room or a fraud. I just think he's playing quarterback for a new team, right? And, and I just think it's not quite where it needs to be. Him, Hackett, they're still working it out. He and his receivers, they're still working that thing out. I thought Kyle Brandt, the take was disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think Kyle Brandt can get lost. <laughs> like, respect to him for his career and what he's done and accomplished and how good of a media person he is. I think, you know, he's accomplished. He, he yeah. does a good job. But yeah. this personal take, I think, is awful. Because we talked about, like, I just talked about how I was disappointed in Russell Wilson's play and how he's got to be better. And like, it ends there. Like I, I, like you just said, I think Russell Wilson's corny. I've said that on the podcast and maybe he is a little ingenuine, but who cares? Like I guarantee Russell Wilson, if he is ingenuine, if his personality is, that is not why he had a bad game on Thursday. Like, I think that is completely irrelevant and I'm with you and with RG three and these people that were like, Hey, you know, bring up his poor play, criticize his, play, but what does his family have to do with it? What does his wife have to do with it? What is his personality? Like in my mind, nothing like the receivers, they drop some balls. They're not doing that because they don't like his personality. You know, they just got to, they got to have better hands. They got to have short hands. Tim Patrick, he's out for the year. He has the best hands on the team and they don't have them right now. And like, it's a performance thing. Like the receivers, their hands got to get better Wilson. He's got to make better decisions. He's got to make better throws. It's has nothing to do with his personality. And if his teammates love his personality or not, I I thought that was a weird take from Brent. And to me, it just seemed like he had a beef with Wilson because he got snubbed on the red carpet and he was just angry about it. And this was an opportunity to kick Wilson while I was down because it was such a bad game. Everybody's dumping on Wilson. and This is an opportunity for him to pile on, which it was just kind of weird to me. It seemed like personal and strange. And I'm just like, yeah, he didn't play good, but what you're bringing up doesn't really seem relevant to me.
0: Yeah, bad look, a little awkward. I mean, if you wanted to drop a scorching take, I could have helped him out, John. He could have just emailed me. Like, just say Russell Wilson's washed. He'll never live up to this contract, and he'll eventually be a stain on George Payton's tenure with the Broncos. Boom, there's a hot take for you right there, and nobody will be offended by that. That's a fine take if you want to go there. We're not going there yet. But, you know, we're not saying Russell Wilson's washed. Uh, But, yeah, getting personal, attacking character. I mean, for a guy, Russell Wilson, who literally has done nothing, But up here, like a huge family and faith guy who's obsessed with football. Right, John? That's all I see from Russell Wilson. It's family. It's faith. It's football. Like, I'd be stunned if Russell Wilson's ever done anything wrong. Like, I'd be stunned if he He stole a candy bar. Honestly.
1: He has a badge right on his jersey for being the Walter Payton Man <laughs> like of the Year. Model like, citizen. Like
0: model by citizen. all
1: accounts, he does great in the community. And like, again, maybe it's a little ingenuine, but if he's doing all this great stuff, does it really matter Like if he's impacting people's lives and and doing all this great stuff in the community? And like he says the teammates aren't going to be happy with him, but uh, unless they're all lying, which I guess is possible, but I think it's very unlikely – all his teammates have only had extremely positive things to say about him. So I I'm just not buying that that the teammates don't like his personality and that and I think part of it is because there was that that like screenshot that went viral of Melvin Gordon looking at him on the <laughs> yes, sidelines. Yes. It, it may have been after one of the interviews. And I think it was just kind of a funny moment, like it was captured in that moment. And then after KJ Hamler was missed wide open, of course he's angry and he's slamming his helmet. So I think people saw that and they turned it into, Oh, everybody hates Russell Wilson. I really don't think that I think in the moment, maybe Melvin Gordon was kind of frustrated with him, which is understandable when you play well, people get frustrated or when you play poorly, people get frustrated with it. And KJ Hamler, he's wide open for the game winning play and he's not thrown to, yeah, he's going to be frustrated. Does that mean that they really don't like Russell Wilson and the whole rest of the season is lost and he's not going to be able to restore his relationships with them? I really don't think so.
0: Yeah, it it does show like a little bit of a, a lack of togetherness. The Broncos just need to tighten it up, John. they got to figure it out, right? They all got to come together, figure it out, get tighter. K.J. Hamler, I know he was upset. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know K.J. Hamler was upset. He shouldn't be spiking his helmet like that, though. He should be showing up his teammate like that. They just got to button the whole thing up. They just got to figure this thing out. But yeah, that was our take on Kyle Brandt. Let us know how you feel. Me and John, our Twitter handles are in the description of the podcast. Let us know how you feel. Uh, But we're moving on here. Broncos, more injuries, John. What does it mean for this week and the team's chances of turning this thing around? We'll get into that right after this. All right, John, more injuries for the Broncos. Um, Garrett Bowles was a killer seeing him go on that cart and basically he's done for the year right um that hurt watching that it's just like man when it rains it pours it's what else can go wrong for the broncos you're you're not so happy about seeing ronald darby's done for the year either right so uh torn acl both of those guys are out Bulls broke his leg uh give me a little injury update before we talk Bron- broncos chargers um how's this team looking going into this weekend and beyond
1: yeah, like you said, Bulls out for the year, Darby out for the year. And they like Calvin Anderson, and he's the guy that's next up to replace Bulls. And he's started like five games over the last two years as an injury fill-in, and it's a small sample size. But so far, he hasn't allowed a sack, and he hasn't committed a penalty. He at least hasn't had a penalty accepted against him so I mean it's a small single size but at least there's that and like they like him they've kept him around the last few years and they've been grooming him and developing him so hopefully Calvin Anderson will be able to step up and be serviceable like like you said they're going to miss Bulls a lot but I'm kind of worried about Ronald Darby because he's overshadowed because Pat Sertan is so good like Sertan is making a case this season that he's the best corner in the NFL and like we can quibble about that but there's no quibbling that he's like top five maybe top three like he is right up there and because of that I think Darby gets overshadowed he was a very very solid number two corner and now I'm not really positive what they're going to do without him I think the next guy up would be Mathis who a rookie they just drafted this year and I think he's done fine in his opportunities for a few weeks, but he hasn't been counted on as a number two outside cornerback. So that that makes you a little nervy. The the good news is Michael OJ Mudia, he's eligible to come back from IR. Justin Simmons, he's eligible to come back from IR. And uh, on the offensive side, tight end Greg Dolcich, he's also eligible to come back from IR. So I think later in the week, I bet all those guys will come up to the 53-man roster because they got three open spots right now. So they're getting a little bit of help left or a little bit of help back from injured guys. So that's good to see. But yeah, it's, it's hard to replace Bowles. Calvin Anderson. They like him, but I I mean, clearly he's not a Garrett Bowles level player because he's not starting. And then Darby, it could be a big drop off from corner. So we're going to see how that's going to pan out the next few weeks. Hopefully Mathis and OJ Mudia can patch up at corner And getting Justin Simmons back in the back of the secondary, you know, maybe that allows Caden Stearns to play a little bit, like, in the slot. Like, maybe maybe he can step in where a corner would be because Caden Stearns played so well for Simmons. So maybe now this gives them an opportunity to get him on the field a little bit. And, And on the offensive side of the ball, the Broncos tight ends have not been good enough. Albert O has been completely missing in action. So I think Dulcich coming back or making really his NFL debut here when he does get, Back on the active roster that could help the offense as well so hopefully these guys coming back are going to offset a little bit but yeah the injuries they've had have been really mounting
0: yeah simmons dulcich oj mudia um i'm excited to see all those get back in the lineup we could use everybody but in term you know speaking of next man up john and i just want to spend 30 seconds on this we would have spent a whole segment on baron browning (laughs) <laughs> if this was if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, Hackett and all the other stuff, right? If it wasn't if it didn't have to be so negative because that game was so freaking bad, uh, we probably would have spent a whole like like I said, a whole segment talking about how good Browning was in this game. Uh so just honorable mention for, for Bear Browning. He was freaking awesome. Along with yep. other guys Einstein. on the de- Yep. Uh, along with other guys on the defense. But uh we'll uh we'll have to get we'll have to get to that another time, John. Give it time uh when we have it uh Broncos back on primetime sorry nation <laughs> if you're sick of everyone's whining they don't want to see this anymore John the Broncos keep showing up on national tv this time it's Monday night uh they are five and a half point dogs going to LA to face the Chargers now the Chargers could this be a game where the Broncos have more home fans like the, the I think the Chargers oh, yeah. yeah I think the Chargers usually have they're they're, they're preparing the 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 snap, the the silent count. I'm trying to say the silent snap count because the crowd noise. The Broncos might travel well for this game.
1: Yeah, it it is so so dumb that the Chargers moved back to Los Angeles because they had fans in San Diego. I I mean we don't have to get into all this, but I think it was like the stadium the owner wanted the city to build a stadium. And the yep. city won, so he's like, okay, I'll go to L.A. But they're second fiddle to the Rams, and they always will be. Like, there's literally more Raiders fans in L.A. than Chargers fans. Like, they're they're it's just, it's so dumb that they moved back to LA. And like you said, the Broncos, their fans have showed up more in games in Los Angeles than Chargers fans have. So I, I could definitely see that happening, even with the Broncos not playing well. If you live in the LA area and you're a Broncos fan, this is the game to be at. Even if the team's not doing great, this is an opportunity to go see your team in person. So, you know, we could definitely see that. But like you said, they're five and a half point underdogs. And I think that's totally justified. The Chargers... They seem like a better team. Like their defense, no, but their offense, of course. Like Justin Herbert is the real deal. Austin Eckler is a fantastic running back, They've got a couple of really good receivers. So they're always a threat to score points. And they're playing at home, which in theory should give them a little bit of a boost, but we'll see how the fan support. Turns out, but I, I think Denver's defense can slow them down a little bit, and, and that's not really what I'm concerned about because I, I think Denver could give them a chance to in the game. What I'm worried about is the Broncos' own offense because literally against the Raiders game, it was decent, but it wasn't good enough. And so every game this year, like they squeaked by against two awful teams. Well, the 49ers, I guess maybe they're not awful, but they squeaked by the 49ers. They squeaked by the Texans, who aren't any good, and the Chargers, I think, are a good team. So. I can't back the Broncos offense to to do enough to squeak by the chargers on the road.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, we need to score points. We need to score points, John. We can't kick field goals and screw up in the red zone. Like they got, they got to score yep. to beat the chargers. That's just, I trust the Denver Broncos defense, one of the best in football. And maybe Justin Simmons is coming back. Like that's good. But at some point the Broncos have to start scoring and they have to start scoring against good teams. And we got to see one of those. All right, it's, one of those vintage Russell games where Russell Wilson knows he's going up against a guy like Justin Herbert and he's got to put points up and he starts going out there making plays. i have a feeling he's going to make some plays in this game, John. I don't think it's going to look as bad as it did on Thursday night, but going back to that, that note about the crowd. Yeah, this is, this would be a game where Broncos fans would travel. Well, maybe head out, head out to LA for a little road trip, uh, watch some football, overtake that crowd over, uh, in LA, the Rams, the Chargers, they can't get a home field advantage to save their lives. Uh but judging by some of the faces on the broadcast on Thursday, I wish they would have just showed the crowd and not the game at some <laughs> point. Just just give me some of those Broncos fans' faces. It was amazing. I don't know how many of them want to drive out there, John, but yeah, I think I think I gotta back the Chargers to cover. I, I still I don't know. Do you think do you think this is like a save the season type of moment for for the Broncos? Like you've called them must wins a few times in a row. I think each each game feels like a must win. It's getting really must witty at this point. When you're playing another division rival, you've already lost to the Raiders. Uh, you know, are you gonna are you gonna lose to the Chargers too? Right when the Chargers aren't actually out there lighting the world on fire. So is this like one where Russell Wilson is gonna put the cape on and try to save the Broncos season and keep, keep hold the rope and kind of try to get the fans back in it and try to get some positive stuff going on? You know, and kind of quell all the freaking negativity around the team right now.
1: I don't know if it is must win. Like if you drop to two and four, obviously that's a big hole and that's not good. But after that you get the jets and then you get the Jaguars. So like if they drop to two and four, if they win those games, then you're back to five and or four and four, I guess. So I I don't know. I, but again, like I'm looking too far ahead. We can't take for granted that they're going to beat the jets and the Jaguars. Like you just got to take it one game. At that's time. where we are, John. You that's gotta... where
0: we are. Unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, so yeah, I in a way I guess it is maybe a must-win game because it, dropping to two and four this early and this at six games into the Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett era, yeah, that wouldn't be good. It would be tough to come out of, especially like. At this point, it's looking really tough to compete in the AFC West. Like, at this point, they're hoping for a wild card spot. And if they turn things around, if they beat the Chargers, and if they manage to beat the Chiefs later in the year, maybe they could compete for the division. But they're just in too big of a hole to do that right now. So for, like, a division standpoint, yeah, this probably is a must-win game. But for having a chance at the wild card, maybe not quite as much. But it is a hugely important game. And this is more of a fun fact. Than a predictor. I don't think this means anything, but I'm sure they're probably going to mention this on Monday's broadcast. Back in 2012, it was Peyton Manning's first season with the Broncos, and they started two and three, and it was a little bit of a struggle. And then in week six, they go on the road to play the Chargers on Monday night football. They went down at halftime. They had a huge second half comeback. The Broncos came back and won. They improved to three and three, and then they won out the rest of the regular season. So I'm not, I'm not saying the Broncos are going to win out if they beat the Chargers. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying there have been times when they've been in a hole two and three new quarterback first year with the team. And it's just kind of fitting now, just like it was in 2012. Now you're going on the road. You got the Chargers in prime time. This is a chance to turn things around. Hopefully, hopefully history repeats itself just in the guard of Monday. Like forget after that, it's just two and three going to face the Chargers. Let's get a win. Let's get the offense back on track. And let's be talking about Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson and George Payton in a good light next week.
0: It's just it's just summon your inner Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, right? No problem. No problem, John. No problem at all. I
1: mean, he talked to him a lot in the offseason, like maybe give him a call this week.
0: Yeah, Do anything. Do anything. Uh, Anything you can do to get this thing back on track. But official pick Broncos plus five and a half on the road, John. What's your official pick on that?
1: Uh, I will officially pick them to lose the game, but to, you know, lose by like three points. Okay. So to okay. so you'll to take the get points. in, you'll take the points. Yeah. Get in, get in within that, but lose the game.
0: All right. So John's not touching the money line, but maybe if you have some faith in your Broncos, think about five and a half. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points, but can the Broncos score five points? <laughs> sometimes, that, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, uh, but, yeah. but John, okay. I think, uh, you know, those jumping on the podcast for the first time, thanks for hanging on. Probably felt like a nice therapy session, John. How you feeling? I know you wanted to get these takes, like I said, you wanted to get them off your chest on Friday. These are these were eating away at you. Had to wait a few extra days. You feel any better about it?
1: Yeah, it, I do feel better talking it through. And honestly, the farther away we got from the game, the better I felt about it. And really, the last few years, I've kind of tried to not make a team's results on the field affect my personal life and like my personal well-being and i think that's really healthy and i think (laughs) that's something broncos fans got to try to do especially because the way with this season started we're hoping it gets turned around but if it doesn't get turned around you got to be able to disconnect real life from a football game like the football game is real life for the players and like it is real life for us too but it's just don't let it ruin like your personal well-being your mental health like Because the rest of the season, hopefully it's not a struggle, but it might be. So you just got to be able to just be happy regardless of whether the Broncos are good or not. Because at this very moment, they're not good. And I don't want people to be miserable because of that.
0: Don't throw your 65-inch TV out the window. It's only week six. It's only week six. So uh, uh, great advice right there from John Heath, Broncos Wire, managing editor. Check his stuff out. He and his team do great stuff on, on the Broncos Wire. You can get all the latest on that team. Uh, I'm Ryan O'Leary once again. Thanks for joining us. Hit subscribe and uh, we'll talk to you next week.